welcome to a special Letters to Women mini-series to celebrate the release of my brand new book, Sisterhood, Giving and Receiving the Gift of Friendship, that's published by Our Sunday Visitor. Inside the book, you're going to find a practical guide for discerning, developing, and keeping authentic friendship as a woman in today's world. So whether you're in a great place with the women in your life or you have no confidence at all when it comes to making new friends, each and every single one of us has room to grow in the art of friendship. When you open the book, you'll also encounter stories along the way from women who share their personal experience with friendship. And these real talks are on everything from hospitality and friendship to friendship in seasons of transition, and they show the true diversity of what authentic sisterhood can look like. In this series on friendship, I'm sitting down with a woman and a friend who contributed a reflection on friendship to the book to get to know her story better. You'll hear these women read their real talk witnesses out loud, like a mini audiobook, and then we're going to be fielding your questions on friendship that you sent my way. Listen through to the end of today's episode to find out about the friendship topic that we're talking about in the very last episode of the special series and how to submit your questions for a chance to win signed copies of the sisterhood book. This episode of Letters to Women is sponsored by The Little Catholic Box. The Little Catholic Box is a quarterly subscription box for Catholic women. And each quarter, Erica, the owner, curates unique and gorgeous Catholic items around a spiritual theme. I love being a subscriber, but it's also a true blessing to artists and creators and small businesses whose items are featured. This month, they have a special offer for Letters to Women listeners. One of their most popular items is now two for the price of one. And if you visit thelittlecatholicbox.com slash letters, and there's a new deal each month of the year for Letters to Women listeners. So head over to thelittlecatholicbox.com slash letters to see what this month's bonus is. Today, I'm sitting down with Leanne Vernick. Leanne is a writer and a speaker who's passionate about inspiring women to live in the freedom of their identity in Christ. She helps women cultivate their magnanimity and grow in holiness through wholeness. A revert to the Catholic faith, she has homeschooled for over 18 years. She holds a certification in youth ministry, and she has a certification as a spiritual director through Divine Mercy University. She's a military wife to John, her husband of over 20 years, and together they're raising six beautiful children brought to them through birth and adoption. You can find Leanne online at Leanne Marie and on her website, themagnanimouslife.com. When you open the new sisterhood book, you'll find Leanne's reflections on friendships and complicated seasons. Leanne, welcome to this Letters to Women miniseries. It's so good to sit down with you and get to know you a little bit better. Yes, thanks for having me. So we're going to kick off our time together tonight hearing about a season of your life when friendship seemed impossible and how the Lord used that loneliness. And I would love to hear you read the story that you shared in the Sisterhood book. I would be honored. I was accepted to the program, my husband quietly stated, not wanting the kids to overhear. We both knew what those words meant. Another move was on the horizon. This program was a great move for his career. However, it hadn't been in our plan. When the surprise opportunity came up, we thought it was a long shot, so he went ahead and applied. Getting this news changed our whole trajectory. Another move had not been in our plans. Two months earlier, my husband, an active duty officer in the United States Air Force, had returned from a year-long deployment to Korea, and our family was still healing from the time of separation. Announcing to the kids that we were unexpectedly moving sent our family into a tailspin as we sent spent the next six months on the emotional roller coaster of preparations for the inevitable. I recall the day we walked through the door of the home that my husband had found for us. Although I thought I had prepared myself, the feelings of overwhelm engulfed me. This was our seventh cross-country move in our 20 years of marriage. When we were younger and the kids were not yet teenagers, our moves held an excitement of seeing new places and meeting new people. Having done the homework before the move, I would jump in with both feet, playing the part of the supportive military wife. I knew just where to plug into community with other moms. 
Within weeks, I was arranging playdates, attending mom's groups, hustling the kids to co-op classes, and volunteering at church. I'd prided myself on smooth transitions we made. This move was different. I was in reeling from emotional scars, left by a year of separation, family strife, and unhealthy friendships that had been destroyed by competition and bitterness. On top of managing my emotional wounds, I was juggling concerns for my two broken-hearted daughters and battling fears that my college-aged boys wouldn't want to return home to a place that they hadn't lived. All the while, I did my best not to squash my youngest two children's adventurous optimism. Smooth is not an adjective I would use to describe this move. I was being stretched in new ways, and I lacked the control, or the illusion of it, that I had clung to in our other moves. I was feeling resentful, overwhelmed, and isolated. I felt no desire to plug into a new community. I battled tears each time I came home from entering a new situation. The small talk required of the new relationships exhausted me. My extroverted nature had turned in on itself in self-pity. I went through motions, needed to sustain my family, but I erected walls around my heart, becoming numb to those around me. I was reluctant to invest myself in any budding friendship. Lies swirled in my head that the energy and vulnerability required to develop meaningful friendships wasn't worth it. I knew we wouldn't be here long, and I told myself I'd just manage it on my own. It would be better that way. I found myself in a season where friendship seemed nearly impossible. Donning the mask that life was fine, I assured everyone that we were adjusting. My husband was super busy with his doctorate studies, being gone in classes all day and then studying late into the night. My loneliness grew, but I did my best to ignore it, and I threw myself into the school year. After months of trying to ignore the pain and fight off despair, I cracked. One day, while I was in the car by myself, I pulled off to the side of an isolated road, crumbling into a heap of shaking sobs, and I cried out, God, what am I supposed to do? I am so lonely. Where are you? Help me. The floodgates opened, and his grace penetrated my heart. God reminded me, day by day and grace by grace. Trust me. This was an inspiration that he had given me while John had been in Korea, and he once again called me to lean into his grace. Father Jacques Philippe explains in The Eight Doors of the Kingdom, Reflections on the Beatitudes. God sometimes allows it that we not find support from others in order that we find our comfort solely in him. God was drawing me deeper. I began pouring myself into prayer and reading, finding solace in my relationship with Christ. My dependence on the Blessed Mother became my lifeline as I sat at her feet and asked her to hold me close. The Eucharist became my daily companion as often as possible, giving me strength. Slowly the Lord revealed that he was with me in this solitude and he had a purpose for it. In the quiet echoes of my lonely heart, I began to hear the comforting whispers of my Heavenly Father. Through his words in scripture, he reminded me of the truth of his love and of my identity. Dispelling the lies that had begun to take hold of my heart, that all the effort I put in wasn't worth it, that it was pointless, nobody would ever really understand me or truly love me. Through reading and pondering both modern-day spiritual authors and the writings of Padre Pio, St. Teresa, and St. Faustina, my prayer life deepened exponentially and I experienced a whole new depth of God's love. As the roots of my faith and trust grew more robust, 
the Holy Spirit began revealing to me places in my heart he desired to heal, places where I had allowed wounds to fester and lies to take root, incrementally pushing out God's truth. Dr. Bob Schutz in the book Be Healed explains that initially our distorted beliefs protect us from feeling pain, but in the long term, they become the mechanism by which our pain gets locked into our body and soul. These distorted beliefs became the building blocks that formed the strongholds in our minds and hearts. I came face to face with layer after layer of my brokenness. And with the aid of the Holy Spirit, my husband and my spiritual director, I worked through these dark recesses, bringing them to God's healing light. I am a work in progress. During this season, when friendship was complicated, the Lord used my loneliness to bring me to my knees and to reveal to me the strongholds that I had allowed to keep me from the depths of his love and the love of those around me. Lowly, I am allowing the walls that I built up to come down and the relationships in my life to deepen as I share what the Lord is doing in my heart. Ever faithful, in time, he brought new friendships into my life, friendships built on a foundation of faith and honest sharing that I I know now will endure, even through the distance, as we prepare to move again. Through this time, the Lord has revealed a new path that he is preparing me and calling me to walk in order to help other women seek healing as they grow in their relationship with him. For in the words of Father Jacques Philippe, the consolation we receive from God is not for us to keep for ourselves. Rather, we in turn are to become consolers of those who need it. I would not have chosen this path on my own and it has been watered with many tears. But through those tears, God has cleared my vision and helped me to see a little more as he sees. And now, when I recognize the ache within, it no longer scares me. As I know, if I enter into it, the Lord will meet me there. I remember reading this when you sent it in for the manuscript in the book and just being struck by how this wound of loneliness from this move opened up space for healing from that wound and other wounds. And then from that process of healing, how the Lord is using that space in your life to then, I love that last line from Father Jacques Philippe, use the consolation that you've received to share with others, other women, especially who are going through something similar in their life. It's just really beautiful to see that, that arc, which I know, which in the nitty gritty, like day to day is so hard to see, but I think it's so beautifully put out in this witness. It's so good. It has been a journey and... Like I, I shared in the story, you know, it was not one I would have chosen, but now coming full circle with it. Um, yeah, the Lord is just using it and has brought a lot of blessing to my life and to others through it. I'm grateful for the struggle. When I had shared that there was going to be a podcast conversation about what friendship looks like in complicated seasons, I had women reach out to me who are in a variety of different complicated seasons that can make friendship challenging. And I would love to share some of their questions with you because you have seen friendship in really challenging seasons. So the first question that someone sent in was, how do I maintain friendships through different seasons of life as a woman? For example, I got married and I'm having kids while I'm still young, and it's been hard to keep in contact with my single or childless friends who prefer to go out late and they don't have to find any childcare. Yeah, different seasons. Um, yeah, our life is continually changing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially as we hit you know those young adult years and then into 30s and 40s and beyond, I'm sure. I'm in my mid-40s, so I can't speak beyond <laughs> that. But um, <laughs> each season brings new challenges to friendships and to speak to this, that sometimes friendships ebb and flow. I point kind of back to 
your chapter in the book that talks about kind of Aristotle's different types of mm-hmm. friendship, the utility, pleasure, virtue, and those friendships that you have as your seasons change, if they're rooted in that friendship of virtue, although they may look different in the season, they will withstand the changes. That's what I have learned over the years. I think they can look different in that season. And, and you kind of have to put the boundaries based on the season that you're in of what you need for your, yourself and your heart and your family, as well as taking the time to still invest in the friendship, but just to come to kind of a acceptance and recognition that it's going to look a little different. And there will be heartache with that, for sure. Kind of like I mentioned in my story, when we enter into that heartache and we ask the Lord to be there and to show us the path in this new season, he shows up. I think especially that surrender of letting a friendship look different, maybe then, and you share this in your story, maybe not what you would have chosen for it to look look like, maybe not what you have picked, but being able to surrender and look at the reality of what that friendship is now and enter into that. Yeah. I recall back when I first got married, there were some friendships that as, you know, my husband and I entered into that season and there, there were single friends that we had that were, you know, male, female friendships that had, you know, kind of been intense friendships, like male friendships I had, female friendships he had, and they had to take on a different season. They had to take on a different look because of the intimacy of marriage requires those friendships then to, to look different. And some of those friendships were able to maintain that through that change and some weren't and it's hard to let go of friendship sometimes but sometimes that is what's needed as well there's a a father mike schmidt's video that where he talks about where in marriage you begin to switch allegiances how it may have been a close friendship with someone totally different and then now when you're in the season of marriage you're called to have allegiance with your spouse and and to encounter christ to your spouse and yeah that does look different and can be really challenging but it's part it's part of a new vocation part of a new season another question that someone sent in and i'd love to hear you speak into this especially when you shared this witness you're talking about the seventh move and i know more have come after that but a listener asks, how do I make new friends in a new town, especially as a stay-at-home mom? Yeah, we have now moved two more times since oh I wrote goodness. that story. <laughs> in fact, we just moved a month ago again. So I got a little teary. I'm in that place of having to put myself out there again. This one definitely hits home. My best advice is as you're encountering new people, you, you got to kind of put yourself out there, even when sometimes your your heart isn't wanting to do it. It's wanting to hide away you know, the fear of rejection or the fear of the awkwardness of new meeting new people um, sometimes springs and kind of give that fear to the Lord. You know, that's kind of in the beginning of my story there in that move. I let that fear and kind of the, the hurt and the pain of some friendships that I had experienced that were really painful kind of build up walls. And I didn't want to make myself vulnerable again to that pain. And it wasn't until I allowed the Lord to give me the courage really to step out and to meet new people again, that healing really began. And so as you're meeting new people, you know, I think the biggest thing is asking questions about their story. It kind of helps get over the awkwardness of kind of the day-to-day chit-chat and to really enter into a relationship and to really be invested in listening to their story and where they're at. The reality is all of us want to share our story with people. We all want connection. And to remember that even if somebody's lived there forever, the chances are most women are always looking for friendship. Just trust that the Lord's going to bring the people into your life that you need. Yeah, I can imagine that moving so much within the span of a few decades that it would be massively challenging to do this over and over and over again. Yeah, I think one other thing is 
you know, ideally and hopefully there are a couple of friendships that kind of hold the test of time, even mm-hmm. with separation of distance. I'm very thankful for a couple of friendships like that in my life where although we don't see each other really sometimes for years, and they even can sometimes go a couple months without talking, they're friendships that I can know I can lean on when things are really, really hard and challenging. Although I can't have them in my day-to-day life, I am thankful for those couple of friends that stuck by me through the test of time and a lot of challenges. So calling, you know, maybe maybe it's a sister, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a mom, but some female relationship that when you're in a new place, you need a, a shoulder to cry on. The reality is it is hard. And so not to be scared to lean back on those other friendships, even though they're not right there with you. That really is one of the really beautiful advantages to living when we live now, where someone is a phone call or a video call or just a quick chat away. Yeah, for sure. Technology has, that part of technology has become such a blessing. (laughs) (laughs) Not all, but that part for sure. (laughs) Amen, amen. So this last question kind of taps back into that same, the same thread that we were talking about before. But this listener says, how do I introduce myself to that couple or that family that I always see at church and get past that initial awkward small talk and into more meaningful connect connections and conversations? I know you mentioned asking them about their story. Do you have any other advice or any practical ways to go about that conversation that you would recommend? Yeah. So entering, yeah, asking questions, you know, just kind of, you know, when I'm in a new place, I literally, you know, at church or whatever, and I see somebody who kind of fits with the paradigm of who I think I might want to be friends with, <laughs> um, whether we have similar, seems like we have similar families or whatnot. I'll just walk up and say, you know, hi, my name's Leanne. I'm new here to the area. We just moved. We're a military family. And I noticed that we have kids, you know, the same age. I was wondering if you could, you know, give me some insights into the parish here, something like that. It takes some courage, <laughs> for sure. So, but asking questions, and then as you get the conversation rolling, asking those questions that start to delve into their story, and then really listening. Oftentimes, we can listen, waiting, kind of formulating a response in our in our own heads or our own hearts, versus really just being present to the person. And I think people notice when we're doing that, just really authentically trying to to listen and to ask questions. And then to, to offer and share our own stories as well. I have found it's oftentimes when I am willing to share my own vulnerabilities, that friendship really starts to bud. Yeah, that two-way street of sharing. I love how you used courage as the descriptor, because that's so true. That when entering into those conversations, whether it's, you know, even if it's someone is listening in, and maybe they have been at the same parish for years now, but there's people who they've never met there. And now they're making that vulnerable, courageous, I sit, I sit behind you and I've sat behind you for m- months, if not years now, and I've never said hi. That's just, it's putting your heart out there. And I, you've spoken to this before. There can be so many fears and lies, like I'm going to be rejected. They're, they're not going to want to spend time with me and all these ways that we can talk ourselves out of that initial reach and how so many times when there is that courageous ask that so many times it's it's met with I'm so glad you said hi or I'm so I've been I'm also hungry for friendship that that's such a universal desire yeah yeah just putting ourselves out there and just really I think like you mentioned realizing kind of the the humanity of all people that were that we're all on the same playing field kind of recognizing the good in others and also being open to friendships that you might not have expected. I think that was a big thing over the years that I have learned. I kind of had the picture of what I wanted my friends to look like. Mm-hmm. I think when I was younger to kind of fit the box and I have learned that some of my greatest friends came in very unexpected ways and also didn't look exactly how I thought just just not judging people before you really get to know their hearts is a big one too. 
sometimes when we move to a new place, we can, it's easy to kind of look around and prejudge people and kind of think, you know, oh, she's not, she's not going to want to be friend with me or I'm not her type or she's not my type. Um, almost kind of like the dating <laughs> scene, <Yes. laughs> um, but with friends and allowing the Lord to surprise you. I love that being surprised by friendship. That's so true. I know that whether it's been a friend who's in a different season of life or who maybe is much older or much younger or mm-hmm. yeah, I love how you just didn't fit the mold of what I thought a friend would look like. And then lo and behold, those are the friends where that intimacy of friendship is, has reached new depths. It's so good. Leanne, thanks so mm-hmm. much for for sharing your story within the pages of sisterhood for coming on the show, especially like you mentioned, this was, we're recording this and you have moved two times since then. And so I know this is all fresh and revisiting a lot of things that you have processed through multiple times. So thank you for coming and being vulnerable with me in this conversation. It was so beautiful to get to know you, to hear you talk through friendship and seasons of change for women who would love to connect with you further. Can you tell listeners where to find you online and just continue a conversation with you and get to know you better? As you mentioned, I just finished a certification in spiritual direction from Divine Mercy University, and I'm in the process of um, developing and getting ready to launch a, a ministry for women, you know, based on spiritual direction called the Magnanimous Life. And so the magnanimouslife.com, it's, it's in the works right now. So it will be coming up here in the next month or so. Yeah. And then on Instagram, I'm at Leanne underscore Marie and Leanne spelled a little different. It's L-E-A-A-N-N. There's two A's, two N's and then underscore Marie. And that's just kind of, I'm not super active there right now. I kind of go ebbs and flows this summer. I've been really not active because of all the moving season of life that I'm in. So, but hope to be more so coming up. Well, I'll link to where to find you online in today's show notes. If you're listening, you can just scroll down and, and find those links and connect with Leanne. And Leanne, thanks again so much for coming on the show. It was such a good, good conversation. I'm so glad to get, have gotten to know you better. Thank you. Same here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Letters to Women. You can check out the show notes for my conversation with Leanne on my website, letterstowomenpodcast.com, or you can just scroll down in your podcast player for links to follow Leanne on social media and connect with her on her website. You'll also find a link to the Little Catholic Box, and there's a link to my monthly newsletter, Naptime Notes. The August edition of that newsletter already went out, but if you subscribe today via that link, you can access that edition of Naptime Notes as well as all of the other archived editions too. If the conversations that you hear on Letters to Women are something that you would recommend to a friend, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast. And if you know someone who is in a challenging season of life and is struggling to make friends, could you send this episode her way to encourage her? Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any future episodes. And I want to hear from you when it comes to these conversations on friendship. So the last friendship topic that we're covering in this mini series is vulnerability. And I'm going to be sitting down with Sarah Burns, who's a dear friend of mine who lives in Kansas City. So we're going to be sitting at my dining room table together. And we're talking about sharing your heart with friends in a healthy way. So you can send those questions to me via email at letters to women at gmail.com. And at the end of that episode, I'll be drawing one name out of the question submitted and sending a listener signed copies of my new book, Sisterhood, Giving and Receiving the Gift of Friendship. That's all I have for today's episode. So until next time, be not afraid.